are starting today a brand new series. It's going to be about a five-week series called Finding Freedom. And in this series, we're going to be going over uh, different things on the church, things that we value, things that we do, but most importantly, why do we do those? So you have already found Freedom Church because you're here today, but we're more than just this Sunday morning. Church is a much bigger thing than that, and so we're going to be um, talking about those things over the coming weeks. And why that is important is I really do believe if we begin to put some of these things into practice that we're going to talk about today and into the coming weeks, that you will actually you will set yourself up for success, not only this fall, but really prime yourself for success spiritually, relationally, financially, um, in 2019 for success, for 2019 to be one of the best years in your life. Now, I, I kind of say that, um, kind of making you know, a prediction about your future, and I, I, am, I cannot tell the future, but in a way, you kind of can. And you want to know the best way to tell your future? Not so much your past, you can look at your past, but one of the best indicators of your future is what are you doing today? Because what you do today, teenagers, listen, teenagers, what you do today impacts tomorrow. Can I get an amen from the adults, okay? So adults, if you want to predict what your future is, what you do today will impact your tomorrow. So we want to set you up for success. Well, how are we going to do that? We're going to look at things that Jesus said, things that Jesus did, and things that Jesus valued, and we are going to try to implement that here at Freedom Church. And what, I kind of want to ask this question. I wonder, you don't have to answer out loud, but I wonder what phrase or what word comes to mind when you think about the word church? What, what comes to mind. Maybe it's it's um, like a building or like a giant cathedral that maybe comes to mind. Maybe it's um, like money, like the church. Church, church just wants my money. Uh, maybe it's uh, a, like a, a drug problem that you you think about, where it's like. Man, when I went to kids, my mama, she drug me to church every Sunday. And that's what I think about. I had a drug problem growing up. Um, I don't know what, what you think about with church. Maybe it's boring. Maybe irrelevant. Maybe it's a, a place of life change, a place of hope, a place of, of, uh, of where brokenness is restored. I don't know what you think of. But regardless of what we think of, I want to start today with what Jesus said about the church, where the birth of the church took place in Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're, we're going to see Jesus spark this idea, the genesis of the church. And it's going to give us, to me, if we're going to talk about things that we're going to do as Freedom Church, things that we're going to value as Freedom Church over the coming weeks, it's not going to make much sense unless we talk about the foundational uh, point of Jesus starting the church. And so this is going to be a driver for everything else we do. If we don't get this, it's going to be hard to really understand why are we doing the other things. And so in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has his disciples, his 12 guys. He's got them, he's got them uh, huddled up 
And it says in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And if you don't know much about uh, Jesus talking to the Bible, he, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. So who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they're thinking he's one of, maybe he, they know he's a great teacher or prophet, maybe he's one of these guys come back to life. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Which is the question of the ages. It is the question that we all must answer. Who is Jesus to you? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He got it right. He got it right. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn it. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And here it comes, here it comes. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus says, I think I lost it, Rendell. Okay, we're working on it. We'll get it. Did I lose my mic? Okay. There it's back. It's back. Okay. I was like, I, I, can, I can hear things up here, but I, I don't even want to get into the things that I hear up here. Um, he says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the start. What is the church? We, we refer to it as a couple things. We refer to it, one, as like the big C church. That means if you are a believer in Christ, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're automatically a part of the church. Because the church is not an organization. The church is not a building. It's not a place. It's not something that we go to. It's the people. And so as soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are considered part of what we call the big C church. But if you, if you look at Scripture, if you look at how did they actually live this out? When Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and he, and he ascended into heaven, and he left his disciples to run this thing called church, how did they do it? Well, if you read through the New Testament, they did it through local churches. They, okay. They did it through local churches. And so you see letters from, from different leaders in the church writing to the church in Galatia, writing to the church in Corinth, writing to the church in Philippi. And so those were churches in those towns, and that's how they function, local churches. Much like what I would say, I mean, yes, we look different than the first century, but at the same time, we gather together. We are the local church, Freedom Church, here in Los Alamos. And there are plenty of other awesome local churches here in Los Alamos. That's how it functions. So you have Big C Church, Little C Church. But what was really Jesus talking about when he said that? I don't think he was talking about an organization. And when he said, is he going to build my church? There's three things that I want to give you today that give you some idea of what he was thinking about when he was talking about this church. And the first word, if you're taking notes, is the church has value. Kind of had a little throw up in my mouth there. Some of you guys might have been like, what? The church? When I think of the church, value is probably not the first thing that comes to mind. I can, I can get that. Because we've, 
we've all probably had our stories where the church was not a valuable place. The church was not a loving place. The church was not something that I wanted to necessarily be a part of. And, and value was something that, mm, I mean, I'll just be honest, I used to hate church. But now I pastor a church. I'm talking about two of my favorite things today, Jesus and the church, his bride. And Jesus, when he says it's my church, it ought to leap off the page to you and I that that thing must have value then. The guy that we call Lord and Savior said, this is my church. But have you guys ever been to an arcade where you play skee-ball? Yes? Okay. As a kid, one of my favorite vacation spots, we would go to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And there was this pier on the beach uh, not too far from where we would stay. And when we'd go to the pier, there was an arcade there, right there. And so they had all of these things where you could spend, I'd get all my vacation money saved up as a little kid because I knew that arcade was there. And they had the ski ball and you'd rack up tickets doing that. They had the one, I don't know if you remember, where it's like the little light that goes around in a circle. And if you press the button just at the right time, like you could hit the jackpot. And you could play that game for free. You wouldn't earn any tickets, but you could kind of like time it and practice. And I would hit the jackpot every time. And then I'd get my quarter and I'd put it in and say, okay, I'm ready. I've hit the jackpot like five times in a row. Now I'm going to put it in and play. And for some reason, I could never hit the jackpot on that thing. I would spend so much money, so much time, so much excitement, and I would get tickets. Now, I would never get this many tickets. You always see that other kid or that other family with all these tickets, and they're going to get like a giant panda, and you take your hundred or so tickets, and, and what? You get like a, a magic eraser, a slinky, and then you get 25 Tootsie Rolls to, to like top it off because that's what you just do. I think a lot of us, in a lot of our world, we kind of live like this sometimes. Because even inside the arcade, these have little value. I mean, you spend so much time, so much money, so much stress trying to earn tickets, to earn something that's going to last five minutes out in the parking lot, and then what? Break. And then if I were trying to take my tickets to the bank and say, okay, LANB, here I am. I've got my 10,000 tickets. I'm ready to deposit these guys. They would look at me just like you're looking at me right now. You're crazy. It's worthless. Worthless. And in life. We go around chasing after good things. I got my house. I got my job. I got the raise. I got, my, I got my friends. Not necessarily bad, but at the same time, like, what are they doing? Oh, I posted on social media. I did the baby shark video. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. Baby shark. Anybody? No? How about Kiki? Do you love me? No, you're looking at me like... Google it. No, don't Google it. Don't Google it. You'll be addicted. We chase after stuff and we're like, look at my tickets. Look at all my tickets. How many tickets do you have? I got more tickets than you. I guess the, these make me significant. Significant now. And at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, do they really matter? I'm not saying they're bad, but what's the motive behind it? Because in church world, we can do this the same. Perfect attendance. Look at me. Look at my streak on the Bible app. It's up to 100 on the Bible app. I've been in there every day. There's nothing wrong with that, but what's the motive? God says, my church, my church has value. And for a lot of us, when we think of church, value is not something, a high priority is not something that we necessarily uh, put into it. And it can be like a bag of tickets sometimes. The point is, the point is the tickets are temporary and they're worthless outside. Jesus said this. Here, here's how Jesus says this. He gave a sermon that's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and the thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. And I want to say thank you again to the people in this church who I think they get this idea that the church does have value. That this is something that God is behind. And you have been so generous in your giving, in your serving. We set a budget um, a while back of $60,000 for the year. And within two short months, or not two short months, in a few short months, we've already hit like two-thirds and beyond of that budget because people in this church get it. And they understand what Freedom Church is about, that we are about Jesus' mission. And we understand that we value the things that Jesus values, and people are getting on board with that. And that's awesome. To me, that is amazing. So it doesn't matter what I think about church. It really matters what Jesus says. And he says, it is my church, which means it does have value. So we can laugh at the church. We can be critical of the church. We can mock it. Some of us even say, well, I can be a part of the big C church. I don't need the church. But if Jesus started the church, this is why I'm pounding on this, if Jesus started the church, which he did, if he died for the church, and one day he's coming back for the church, you will always need something that Jesus died for. You will always need something that Jesus died for. And he says, this is my church, which means it has value. Second word is power. He goes on to say, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Or in some of your translations, it may say the gates of Hades will not prevail. How many of you have uh, some type of loan in your, in, in, or a, uh, uh, like a mortgage or a student loan or a car loan or, or, or something like that? Okay, we have some of those. How many of you have, um, and every family has one, how many of you have a, a crazy family member in, in, you know, in, in your family? Cousin, uncle, relative, okay. If you're not raising your hand right now, and every family has one, if you're not raising your hand, that might mean that you are the crazy one. I got a crazy Uncle Joe. He may, I don't know if I watch this or not. I, I love my Uncle Joe, but we'll just say Uncle Joe. Let's say Uncle Joe gives you a call. Tomorrow morning, says, hey, I know you got these, these uh, mortgage or student loan, these debts and things that you want to pay, and guess what? Got you taken care of. Tomorrow morning, coming over to the house, writing a check, we'll go to the bank, and it's good 
to go. You're like, crazy Joe just got even crazier. You know, you're like, whatever. But let's say just somehow, some way, you're able to verify that, it's, that Bill Gates gives you a call. Bill Gates gives you a call and you're able to verify it. He said, hey, it's your lucky day. I've heard you got these debts. I heard you got this mortgage, this payment, all those things. And tomorrow morning, we're showing up, writing you a check, got it all taken care of. Now, who, who would you rather pick in, in those scenarios? Crazy Uncle Joe or Bill Gates? You want Bill Gates. Why? Because he has the power to back up the promise. And Jesus makes an incredible, powerful promise about his church when he says, and nothing, not even the gates of hell, will be able to conquer my church. The promise is only backed up, the promise is only backed up by the person making the promise. And Jesus backed it up. Because when death did try to take over, when he, when he was buried in the grave, he rose from the dead and death lost its sting. Sin won no more and Jesus conquered it all. Nothing is going to conquer his church. For a lot of us though, here's where, here's where the rubber hits the road. We believe that in our mind, theologically, in our minds. We're like, yep, Jesus. But we don't live like we have that power as it's a reality in our lives. Well, guess we've got to go to church today. I've got to serve in the kids today. Welcome to Freedom Church. Why are, why are you even here today? Yeah, like, there's not much power in, in that. But when you understand, if you see how Jesus started this church, he said, I value it, and nothing's going to conquer it, which means it's powerful, baby. There is nothing going to stop this thing. And you get that in your life, and you see that I don't serve a dead God. He's a living God. You come saying, I'm expecting, I'm expecting God to speak to me today. God, what, do you, what does the God of the universe have for me today? Who do I get to serve today? You come here thinking, what can God do through me? Because He is powerful. And the, the Spirit that raised God from the dead, as it says in Romans 8, what lives inside of me. That is power. And for many of us, it's untapped power. I love, I love in this church. He's not here today. Nathan McCraney called me up a few weeks ago talking about different prayers that he's been having. He's like, Mike, we're praying for a movement of God in Los Alamos. We're praying for a movement of God. And anytime you see a movement of God, be it in, in Scripture or be it throughout history, where God just does something remarkable, where it just blows you away and you can say, only God. He's like, it, it, it manifests itself through miracles. It manifests itself through healings. You see lives transformed. He's like, I'm, I'm praying that, that God would do the miraculous right here in Los Alamos in front of us. That's power. That's power that you and I do not have praying for a movement of God in this town. What if, 
What if we moved from theology to reality and we started praying? Maybe what if someone got healed through you, through your prayer? What if you served someone or, or you spoke to someone at work and someone at work got saved because you spoke up and had a conversation because the, the power of the gospel has the power to transform lives? We move from theological, okay, yeah, it's good. It's one thing to say, yes, I agree with that, but it's another to go and live it out. And God can use even the small things too. Well, I don't have much to give. I don't know what I can offer. I'm not too talented. Well, thank goodness for the young boy who had five loaves and two fish when there was thousands who were hungry, thousands who were desperate for food. And the disciples were like, we got nothing. Send them home. And there was one young man who had faith, who gave it to God, put what he had in his hands, said, I got five, five loaves and two fish. And God worked a miracle that day. He gave what he had. God can use you. God can use you. You need to believe that today, that God can use you today. Young men and women, older, more experienced men and women, He can use you to work miracles in Los Alamos today. He can work in your family. He can work in your life. He can work in your school. He can work in your workplace. He wants to. He wants to, but you've got to move from theology to reality. And the last word is hope. The church is a place of hope. When the first verse that we read, we, we read over something so fast, you probably missed it. I've missed it for years, and it wasn't until recently when I saw this that this scripture really, really comes to life on what this thing church is all about. It says, when he and his disciples came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Anytime there's a town named... There's generally a reason why it's named in Scripture. And context is everything. Caesarea Philippi is a town that's about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. It is outside of the territory of Israel. So you're in Gentile country. This wasn't just a place they were passing through, a place that was nearby. Like you had to, you had to go out of your way to get to Caesarea Philippi. And in this town that was not a Jewish town, was not in Jewish territory, there was lots of gods that they served. There's a picture, I think, that we have that kind of shows modern-day Caesarea Philippi. You kind of see a large cliff and then a, a picture rendition of what it might have looked like. And in this town, it's Caesarea, so that's Caesar. If you know anything about Rome, their gods, the, Caesar was a god. Caesar was a deity. So you had the, the, the Roman God that was worshipped. Herod at that time had built a great white marble temple for himself. It was in the area of Syria, so there was still Baal worship that was going on there. Then you also had a lot of Greeks in the area, so they, they had the Greek god Hades. Not even the gates of Hades. It was the idea that there was a spring there coming out of a deep cave that represented death, that represented uh, uh, the Greek god Hades. And, and you can imagine Jesus making this statement while they're there saying, not even death, not even the gates of Hades will be able to stop this thing. They also had the, the Greek god of nature. And then the big one was the Greek god Pan. And if you know anything about the Greek god Pan, he was the, the god of fertility. And so you can just imagine in that region where, where God was not worshipped, that you had a sex god 
in that area that was worshipped and what rituals and what things were. Everything was allowed and everything was, was good to go. Um, graphic is a nice word to put it. And this, this, Caesarea Philippi is where Jesus takes his disciples to say, I'm starting the church. Why? Why would Jesus take his disciples here of all places where, where morally there's no, no morality? I've got to believe that he did this on purpose. See, this is how I've ran my life. This is how I've run my ministry. Matthew, Matthew, you remember? After you got saved, after we started a relationship, you got all your friends together, Matthew, and you threw a party so we could, we could interact with the other tax collectors. And you remember what happened at that party, Matthew? You remember what happened? All of the religious people gathered around. They saw what was going on, and they said, Why, Jesus? Why does Jesus hang out with such scum? And I had to tell them, Matthew, you remember what I told them? I told them, it's not, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. It's how Jesus ran his life. And I can imagine him taking his disciples there, their jaws, looking around, hitting the floor, like, what is this place? And him saying, look around. This thing, the church, this is who we're going for. This is who it's for. This is why I came. This is why I'm going to die and give my life is for these people, not just the Jews. It's for everyone. Get it. Get it now. See it now. Because when I leave, this is the picture I want you to see. This is how we're starting this thing. And this is how we're going. Caesarea Philippi is where he started. It is such, such a point of hope for the church that Jesus is not afraid of the mess. He jumps right into the mess. That's what his whole mission was, was to come from heaven down to earth, into the mess, into the junk. We're afraid of our own mess. We don't even want to touch our own mess. Try to ignore it, put it off, don't want to deal with it. Then we got other people's mess, don't want to deal with it. Jesus is like, I'm okay with the mess. Came for the mess. I die for the mess. I save the mess. I restore the mess. That's his church. That's his church. That's you and I today. His, his 12 disciples, one of them didn't get it, but the rest of them did. The men and women that were with those guys, they got it. They believed, they valued the things that Jesus valued. They believed in the power that he had. And they understood the hope because it transformed their lives. And they went and they lived it out and these guys changed the world. These guys changed the world. I said there was three words I was going to give you. I'm going to give you a bonus one because I'm a pastor and I, I like to talk. The fourth word is potential. Potential. Listen, Jesus values his church whether you value it or not. But the power that we have, the power that we use, the hope that the church provides remains potential until you take your next step. We believe at Freedom Church, our whole mission here, helping you take the next step in your relationship with Jesus together. 
So you may be looking, you're like, oh man, I got a whole mountain to climb to get to where I want to be in my, in my marriage, in my finances, in my relationship with God. And all we ask you today is just to take one step up that mountain. You don't got to go the whole journey today. You just got to take one step. I got neighbors who just moved in and they got boxes galore where they're trying to go through. And it's a whole mountain of boxes. It's like, hey, you just unpack one box at a time. I don't know what God's speaking to you today, but until you take your next step, that freedom that you're searching for, you won't find it. That power that you want in your life, short of a miracle, will not come. And that hope, that hope will always remain hope. You won't see it actualized. You need to take the step that God is calling you to give. And you may be saying, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. Who did Jesus say this to? He had his disciples there, but he singled out one. Peter. Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter was not perfect. In fact, a short time later, Peter's going to deny Jesus. Deny even knowing his best friend. Three times. I don't know the guy. I have nothing to do with him. Don't know him. And that's the guy you want starting this church, Jesus? Are you sure? That's my man. Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi because there's hope for everybody. There's power to be used by everyone. He wants to use you to lead, to serve, to go and be the church. Becky Schwarzkopf comes here and runs the media almost every single week. And Becky, you don't know this, but it's been powerful to me. When we started this thing, she would pray some prayers because we like to pray together. It's one of the things that we, we have a foundation in this church. But she would pray in her prayers, God, we don't just come here to play church. I love this church. But if it's just about coming here on Sundays and being a part of a building, okay. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not his church. It, it's not a game. He wants us to go and be. You don't just go to church. He wants you to go be the church and live that thing out. That's why we're starting up small groups in a few weeks. Because you get a chance to actually go and be the church. You live it out in a relationship with other people. You go and you serve one another. Small groups in this church are the way that we serve our community. Some people have asked, hey, Mike, I got this friend or this friend that might need some money. Does the church have some money? And we do have a benevolence part of our budget. But the place where that's going to be going and distributed is through our small groups because you are the people on the ground. You're on the front lines living life with people. And so they, you don't need to come to a pastor. I don't want to make those decisions and say yes or no. It's in the people that you're living life with. Whatever step that you need to take today, be it a small group, be it get baptized, be it get saved, be it confess. Whatever God's speaking to you today, that's where freedom is. That's where you're going to find freedom is taking that next step. We're not a church that just plays church. We want to go be a church. That's our mission. That's our goal. I want to invite you to join us with that because I think God wants to work miracles in this town. I really do. He's starting something. Starting something. He's like, see this wave that's coming. You want to catch it. 
Let's all pray. Let's go.